Does it sound familiar? Do you think that they've been planning this for more than a couple days? What's next? Our great civilization has come upon a moment of reckoning. They already took your free speech. They already muzzled you. The wealthy got super wealthy. This is not about freedom or personal choice. Number one bullshit guy. He do the wee-woo-wee-woo. And the average everyday American got used as a pawn in their sick little game. I'm telling you right now, you're a slave. You want to know what the biggest problem is in our country? You're an inconvenience to all of these people. Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Oltman. And I'm Apollo. <laughs> I almost missed it. <laughs> Hey, I got somebody said that I had a wooly beard because I haven't been trimming it up lately. I was gonna try and grow it out a little bit. You no, know? you look just like you should coming back from you know the, the Great Plains of Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it was it, it definitely gave me new new light light on my feet. But well, you need a little bit of that. I do. I, I want to tell you, it is um, today's been a crazy day. It, it's that that five days has literally done wonders. I should do a five-day trip every 10 days. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You came back, and you know, the first time I saw you, because, I mean, I know you. You're, like, always yeah. full of energy. Yeah. And honestly, for, like, the first time in the last year and a half, you were just relaxed, not just something quiet. Yeah, and I and, – and truthfully, I, I spent most of my life that way. I mean, it, it was – you know, I, I typically don't try to jump into big battles. I, I – um, which was which is interesting. I mean, I, I know that we have a guest, and I don't want to wait too long um, to bring him on. And and the story we're going to talk about is is worthy of more time than we probably have. But I got this today, which you know I told you before that I, I often wonder, am I on the right track? And this is one of the young men that that I uh, mentored. So I've mentored this young man back when he was an incarcerated youth. Um, but this is what he wrote me and I haven't talked to him in like a year and a half, maybe, maybe longer, two and two years. And he says, Hey Joe, this is Dominic. Just wanted to reach out and say, thank you for coming into my life and trying to point me in the right direction. I'm sorry. I didn't make the best choices and for anything that I did that affected you in a negative way. I'm still learning and growing as a person and just trying to be the best father I can be. I hope all is well and much love to you and your family for taking me in and treating me like your own. Like I just got that today. So it just reminded me of. I don't know. Well, you are uh, as busy as you are. It it always surprises me the the commitment that you seem to have for being a role model to people, and it, it's something actually that I've learned a lot in the last year is that uh, you, you know, and all of us as individuals, when we show up in a certain way and we're consistent and we're conscious about how we show up, the impact that we do have on people is much larger than than you know we admit sometimes so well i think that uh, god has a way of talking to you even when you're in your in the point where you feel like okay got to reset but the, the story we're going to talk about today and we have scott shara on who whose daughter grace whew, this is a hard story and it's probably harder for him than it is for me to talk about um 
you know, losing, losing a child is something you, you never want to experience. But his daughter um, died after being treated at St. Elizabeth Hospital in Appleton, Wisconsin on October 6th, 2021, five days after testing positive for COVID. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to tell this story because I think it needs to be told. And we have an amazing amount of information. And um, I think that, uh, you know, so often we, we don't have an, a voice. We don't be given, we're not given the opportunity to speak up about, um, about the wrongs that are done on, on uh, society. So let's, without any ado, let's, let's bring in Scott. Scott, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. You know, as a father, uh, my heart breaks for you. I, I, uh, I understand you have, you have kids of your own. I do a 21 year old son and a 25 year old daughter. Yeah. Grace was, uh, Grace was 19. She was our last one. And, uh, she was, uh, she was quite a gift. She was, uh, she was my best buddy and she was my wife's best buddy too. So it's, I've never missed somebody like this before. This is, uh, this is new territory. You know, we, uh, we both lost our parents already. Um, we lost our son to suicide three years earlier. And, uh, you know, that, that was tough. I mean, this is, this is, um, this is a lot tougher. Um, so I, I want to put up a couple pictures if I can. Um, we have, if we can put up a 15, this, this made me smile. This is Grace uh, sitting in Santa's lap. Um, so I've, I didn't mean to cover you up with the picture, but I'm going to cover you up with some well, more. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. We have uh, A14. This is, this is Grace at uh, Jess's wedding. Is Jess her, is, uh, her sister? Big, big sister Jess, yeah. yeah. And then it sounds like she liked being in the air. So if we can put up A13... <laughs> This is Grace in a helicopter. Looks like she's having a little bit of fun. Hang so on. that picture, <laughs> that picture was uh, for a very specific purpose. It wasn't just a random helicopter ride, but it was. Grace was a huge Elvis Presley fan, oh, wow. and there was a, a corn maze that was done uh, about a half hour south of where we live, and the corn maze was Elvis playing a guitar. And so you had to get up in the air to see that, and uh, it was it was it was really neat. You know, Grace's love for Elvis led her to write a letter to Priscilla Presley um, in Graceland, and I'm Priscilla Presley's Elvis's wife. For those of you who don't know, and uh, Priscilla called Grace and invited us to Graceland for a private meeting with her. And, and we did it. And there's an area on the website that's a tribute to that meeting. And, and Grace and Priscilla became friends. They emailed each other regularly. It was, was pretty neat relationship. Well, well, I have this video of actually her dancing to Elvis, if you don't mind. I would love to play it. Let's play that. Oh, it's <laughs> Well, the bless of my soul, what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends say I'm acting wise as a bug. I'm in love. Uh, I'm all shook up. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, my hands are shaking and my knees are weak. I can't seem to stand up on my own two feet. <laughs> she does all the words. You have such luck and in love. I'm all shaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please don't ask me what's on my mind. I'm a little mixed up, but I feel fine when I meet a girl that I love back. She's a better dancer. She's a better dancer than you, <laughs> <I> Joe. <laughs> Way better dancer than me. <laughs> yeah, that was that video was September twenty second, uh, two thousand twenty one. That was three weeks before Grace died. That was on her nineteenth birthday. So, so I want to show a few pictures of Grace because before we get into, I don't want this to be somber. I want I want us to be able to talk about just how special Grace was, and yes, some people. I want people to be able to see that first, understand just kind of the, the, the light, um, if that's okay. Like I, I, Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I, mean, I think the hospital needs to be held responsible. I think people need to be held responsible for their behavior. But I, I also think that looking at a life as special as Grace's is we should take the time. So, Great. Grace is the reason I can do this story. I mean, she loved me unconditionally even when I was a jerk. And, you know, because of how she treated me, this is, you know, these stories are hard to tell, but this is, it's, it's, uh, it's a breeze because of, of her. Let, let's put up, um, a 12. This is grace with her brother. It looks like she's having a good time <laughs> and she liked cats. Yeah, yeah she and, did. Uh, and this is her cat, Cruz. It is. He looks like he could cruise. He looks like he's had a mouse or two in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he has. He's, uh, he's a good mouser. And um, was she a Girl Scout? I hear she's a Girl Scout. She was. Yeah, so she was. Day 10. Looks like she had fun, fun uh, doing Girl Scout stuff. And then here's a picture of Grace getting ready. Yeah, this was, that picture was the morning uh, that we met Priscilla Presley in Graceland. So Grace was getting all decked out for the meeting with Priscilla. And, um, I, you know, I just got back from a hunt. I was hunting a bear that I did not get, um, but I was in Alaska. And so this was uh, Grace getting ready to hunt. <laughs> We have that picture. There we go. Yeah. So Grace, uh, she was uh, she was a hunting buddy. Uh, she that's a two forty three. Uh, she was unbelievably accurate. Uh, she uh, I don't know if the picture is in there of her showing where where her two shots landed right you know one inch apart outside the bullseye. Um, she was she never flinched. So when I taught her how to shoot, I mean she just never learned how to flinch, and she was she was extremely accurate. Uh, she was fun to take hunting. Um, it's, she just uh, she never complained about the cold. One one of the times we went hunting, uh, Grace had quite a sense of humor, and she said, "Dad, I have a joke, and you got to consider." She made this up, and she she said, "So I said, what's your joke?" And she said, "Where do bees go to the bathroom?" I said, "I don't know. Where do they go to the bathroom?" And she said, "The BP station." <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And then, you know, I want to show a few more pictures if I can, because I think, again, I, I went through all the pictures before we came on, uh, but, you know, she had flowers for mom. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite pictures. You know, I, uh, I used to be fairly anal about lawn care and, you know, dandelions would bother me in the spring until Grace came along and she picked she picked a bouquet of dandelions for my wife, Cindy. And I mean, then every time the dandelions would bloom, I would just love it. <laughs> so you, you, you learned to live with them. Oh, it just, there, they became a blessing instead of yeah. a curse yeah. because Grace showed me that they were special. And then she was fishing with you. Another thing I know we showed this before we'll show it again. Yeah. Is that a sunfish? It is. That's a pretty big one. Yeah, it's a really big one, actually. Yeah. And then uh, she got dressed for prom. Yeah, that was, uh, oh boy, that was a special day for her. That was last May. Um, a boy asked her to dance, and she she uh, left me a voicemail about it. Oh, my gosh, it was it was very special to her. And she loved to mow the lawn with you. <laughs> so I'll just uh, <laughs> she was great when when uh, I asked her if she wanted to help mow. We have about seven acres we mow, and uh, she said, "Yeah, I would like to." So I couldn't get a lawnmower fast enough for her, and so then you know she could do it just fine. But she would, um, even though she knew how to put the mower in reverse, she did, didn't like to do it. So that last patch of grass. You know, I'd, I'd like to tease and just say that last patch, you know, it's about one square foot, but she would she would go way around to get that last patch, and it, it burned through five gallons of fuel just to get that last one. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and we have a video, which I want to show you, that you've seen, and this is, um, this is Grace surfing, which is awesome. Let's go ahead and play it. We got that much <laughs> she dabbed. <laughs> she did dab. Uh, and away we go. I <laughs> like <laughs> she literally did a dab while she's surfing. <laughs> and you can tell she. I mean this. God blinded us to her Down syndrome. Uh, it was interesting. I mean, it was it it was literal to us. You know, so there was nothing that we did not do with her. And you know, the uh, one of the the medical staff after Grace was born, there were several negative ones, but this one was positive. And she said, you know, it, the with Grace, the sky's the limit. And you know, that was an encouraging thing to Cindy and I, and, you know, we, we never looked back. I mean, we were, we were gifted with an angel for 19 years and, 
why I mean one thing I would say as you know dads you know, I, I worked way too hard during those 19 years I can't get the time back now and um, you know I, I had always thought that the purpose of that was so that we'd have a nest egg set aside for Grace to take care of her after Cindy and I passed um, but you know I, I can't get that time back and when you can tell you know if we would have had more time with her. We'd have done even more things. She was, she was an absolute gift and a blast and funny. And uh, she had a love that uh, it was the love that we're supposed to have. That's really the the thing that I would say. And I would say that's in general for most Down syndrome children, maybe all of them. Uh, some people have written Cindy and I since Grace passed. We get lots of letters still in the mail because of the website and all the appearances and um, people will unknowingly say something like, well, now that Grace is in heaven, she doesn't have Down syndrome. And you know, I look at it completely different. I think everybody in heaven is going to have Down syndrome. <laughs> it's it's she, our greatest hope, right? Because <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds bad, but they, they love in a way that I don't know if we're able to appreciate it. They, they love life in a way that most people can't appreciate. Oh, she was, she just was great. I, uh, she, and she knew, she knew the Lord um, significantly better than I do. I mean, I'm learning more every day, but to get even to the level she was at, you know, it would, you know, it, it's certainly possible. I believe I'll see it. But I mean, so just as an example, she called me earthly dad. You know, who does that? Uh, it just, she knew what her relationship was with her heavenly father. Um, her favorite scripture verse was first John four, eight, which she abbreviated God is love. And she would send out these creative cards and pictures to, to everybody. Oh, wow. You have one up there. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, you see how she wrote, I love you, earthly dad. And uh, just was, let me, let me read every, the audio version. If I can, it's important to say, I love you. PS don't cry on father's day earthly dad i love you earthly dad <laughs> known as earthly daddy your bff daughter grace emily and you see how she has the s at the end of grace emily for shara and then she she makes hearts and things out of everything it's just it's so beautiful so i mean you can see why why we miss her so much um she was it's it's uh, it's sickening what what happened and you know ultimately we'll get into this but I mean just to jump ahead I I think they took her out because she had Down syndrome that's what I've concluded and it took me a long time to get there yeah, I have well over five hundred hours of research in Grace's case and it's it's led to that I mean it, I can't you know when I started uncovering it it's almost like this can't be true but you know, I've come to the belief that it is true. So, so we have a, I want to, I want you to tell everyone, and I know I need to do an ad read really quick. So, so this show is brought to you by IP vanish. If you're tired of feeling like someone's always watching on the internet, maybe advertisers know a bit too much about you. If you're connected, if you're concerned about privacy of your identity, using incognito mode won't always solve the problem either. IP vanish helps you safely browse the internet without exposing your private details to third parties, such as hackers, your ISP or advertisers. When you, you can use IP Vanish on your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. 
When you use IPVanish, all of your data is encrypted. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off the yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you watch, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with a brand rate of 4.6 out of 5 on Trusted Pilot. Go to IPVanish.com slash daily. It's important to use the slash daily. IPVanish.com slash daily. And use promo code daily to save 70% as a conservative daily podcast listener. Um, I also want to tell you that um, if you use IPVanish and you have the, the VPN working when you're in and you try to unlock your car or do things like that, it will not work. You have to disconnect it because the car, the phone itself uses both the IMEI and the IP address collectively to validate who you are. So it will not work if you do not use, if you, if you don't turn it off in some instances. I figured I'd, I'd say that because I've learned that the hard way. I, uh, I knew this would be a hard podcast for me. So I appreciate you doing it. Um, when, uh, why don't, why don't you walk through just kind of how this all started, if you would. And, uh, and then we'll walk through, I know that we have a timeline, um, on Grace's last day. We'll walk through that, but just give everyone a, if you can, just a, a, what happened? Like tell everyone what happened. Yeah. I'll, I'll go through just the, the overview and then, um, we can go through some specific that show what the hospital care is like if you want to do that then ultimately get into grace's last day because that timeline is is extremely important to go through so how this came about we were as a family we were following the frontline doctor's protocol and which meant grace uh, was on vitamins uh, that were, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, everything that zinc, the things that you would be on just as a, as a precautionary measure. And the Delta variant was running pretty rampant. This was uh, in September timeframe. And so we just assumed any sniffle we're going to assume is COVID and that's how we prepared. And so Grace got a sniffle around September 28th. So we started her on ivermectin, um, really never thought anything of it. On October 1st, we were gonna to go to a wedding. And so Grace was was well enough to go, but we just thought we would home test her because we didn't wanna spread COVID. So we did, she tested positive. So we stayed home from the wedding. My wife ended up getting COVID B, you know, we tested her a couple of days later. At that time we tested her cause she had symptoms too, but she tested negative. And then she got COVID a couple of days later. Again, we didn't think anything of it. We just thought we'd walk through it because we were prepared. And on October 6th, Grace's oxygen was in the high 80s. So it couldn't, wouldn't go above 90. And so we saw that, unfortunately, as an emergency. And so we took her to urgent care, which they did some blood work. Ultimately, that led to the emergency room where they did a CT scan for clots. Uh, that turned out negative. But at that point, the admitting physician uh, recommended that we admit Grace to the hospital 
and uh, that started the whole thing. So, I mean, a common question people would have, and I think it's important to cover it here, and also one of the take-home messages to cover here. So, you know, people would ask, well, how could you end up in the hospital if you're on the frontline doctor's protocol? And I would not have understood that unless I went to the hospital also. Uh, three days after Grace died, I checked into a different hospital with COVID symptoms, uh, probably three times or so worse than Grace because I almost died the first night. And Grace was never close to dying until they took her out the last day. And so that caused a piece of the research to steer towards uh, a doctor by the name of Dr. Chetty from South Africa. And he really invested the time to figure this out. He treated over 8,000 uh, patients in his yard. He set up a tent in his yard because the hospital wouldn't allow him in. And so he treated people and through all the treatments figured out that if the patients have a propensity to clot and inflammation and the body produces inflammation, those two characteristics, those are genetic characteristics that produce low oxygen with the Delta variant. And I knew I had that genetic disposition well in advance of COVID. So it would be logical that Grace inherited that from me. Whereas my wife, Cindy was, her symptoms were significantly worse than Grace's, but her oxygen stayed at 95% plus the whole time. So that I believe is the why behind Grace and I ending up having low oxygen. So then the take home message here, if I would have known then what I know today, we would have still went to the emergency room likely, but we would have never checked into the hospital. We would have went home with a prescription for oxygen and a steroid and Grace would be alive today because there's absolutely no reason to go in the hospital with low oxygen. Uh, you, can, you can do oxygen at home. Um, so that's one take-home message. The other take-home message is because of the fact that I went to a completely different hospital and they saved my life. They used a near 100% opposite protocol than what was used on Grace, and literally they saved my life. And so the other take-home message is all of us will likely end up in a hospital someday with some type of a condition, and the time to check out the hospital is not when you're laying in an ambulance or an emergency room, it's too late. Uh, if that hospital is one that has been bought, and I don't mean legally bought, I mean practically bought by the government, it's too late and they have a different agenda and it's not to save your life. And so you, you wanna be vetting the hospitals and the healthcare professionals in your local area well in advance of the time of need. So let's, let's walk through, so, so she went in on what day? She went into the emergency room on October 6th. We were in the emergency room about 10 hours before our room opened up, which was about midnight on the 7th. So October 7th was Grace's first full day. And it was that was a great day. I mean, I just thought it was gonna be a mini vacation with my best buddy. Uh, we They had a great menu. We could order anything we wanted. So we ordered food, we watched movies. Um, we had we had really had a, a nice time up until toward the the later evening they had put grace on a high flow cannula and when she was in the emergency room she was just on a regular cannula but they put her on this high flow cannula that was forcing aeroprenose at about 40 miles an hour and that bothered her and so over a period of a couple 
three hours, I worked with two nurses. And again, I saw oxygen as a super high priority in emergency. So we needed to get Grace situated with oxygen. You know, the research I've done with the help of a doctor after the fact showed that, you know, Grace never needed to have a high flow cannula or a BiPAP, but ultimately we got her situated with a BiPAP by about 11, 11.30 that evening on October 7th. So that was our first full day. Uh, then, you know, we if we go into October 8th and 9th, I can hit a couple of points just to show people what type of care is happening. And you gotta consider, I was in the hospital with Grace as an advocate. I was kicked out by an armed guard on October 10th. Then my daughter, Jessica, became a replacement advocate on October 12th. A little bit on the 11th, we, we had 44 hours total without an advocate. But what, I, what I'm going to share with you is this was with an advocate in the room. So you, you've got to think through what, what is happening. They're using COVID and you know they're going to use COVID as an excuse forever. They're going to call it something else. But they do not want advocates in the room. And you know, we were allowed in the room because of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So when you hear this story, just think through how many people have been killed without any advocate because they can. There's a shroud of secrecy. You know, they have immunity from liability. Um, they have bonus payments from the government and they don't have anybody watching them. There's no advocates in the room. So when you hear Grace's story that they took her out with us there, multiply that by um, hundreds of thousands that they took out uh, without advocates in the room. So October 8th, the doctor came in and said, you're gonna need to put your daughter on a ventilator in the next two hours. And I said, what is that based on? And he said, we did a blood gas draw last night and the numbers show that she needs to be on a ventilator. And I, so I said, well, what time was the blood gas draw taken? He said, 11.30. And I said, well, we just got done wrestling with Grace with the BiPAP and the high flow cannula and her blood pressure was 235 over 135 and her heart rate was 150 beats a minute. So I said, I don't think that test is accurate. I want you to take another one. And so they did and Grace was fine. So we dodged the, the ventilator bullet at that point. And I say bullet with now, you know, knowing what's involved at that time when he said that, I had the paradigm relative to ventilators that they're a tool in the tool chest because I think President Trump unknowingly told the whole country when COVID came out that we have a ventilator shortage and factories were converted. So I never thought ventilators were bad. I just didn't have an opinion. But I asked the doctor at that point, what was, what's the prognosis if Grace goes on a ventilator? And he said a version of the truth, which was he said 20% of people, only 20% walk out alive. And so then I had my laptop in the room. So I started researching and found out the reality is only about 15% walk out alive. And the 15% that do walk out alive, the majority of those die in the first year because of damage the ventilator's done to their lungs. So Cindy and I made a decision at that point, we are not doing a ventilator. That doesn't make any sense. But they subsequently attempted to get us to pre-approve or pre-authorize a ventilator four more times. And they said, just in case. And just in case was framed with the idea that 
these type of things happen in the middle of the night when we can't get a hold of the family. So we want you to give us a pre-authorization so we can put Grace on a ventilator if she needs it. Well, you know, we never approved that. And subsequent, as I've studied the numbers, I found out the why. You know, there's approximately a $300,000 payday to the hospital if they can convince the patient or the advocate to put the patient on a ventilator. So there's no, it, it, it made perfect sense that they would push it from a financial perspective. So let's let's back up what you just said. There's a, how much of a payment for just putting them on a ventilator? Well, there's a bonus payment of 39,000. Yeah. Then they get a bonus because now the room is classified as ICU. And then they get a further bonus because the patient is now on a sedation med. And so those bonus payments, then of course the patient almost always dies, which is another $13,000 bonus payment. But what the average length of stay in a hospital when somebody's on a ventilator is 22 days, they extend their life. And so with the bonus payments, plus the, the insurance payment and the patient, the patient pay portion, it approximates $300,000 that the hospital receives when a patient goes on a ventilator. It's a big deal. So, so this is um, the, the uh, document, if you go to the very top, if you would. This is the, the Ascension Health System exposed with the culture of pursuing money over patient care at the cause of Grace's death. And this just goes through the fiscal year revenue for 2020 and 2021. And um, it goes through CEO, obviously, compensation. Um, it, it basically goes through all of the money estimated. COVID death payments, $109,000, $109 million, excuse me. Um, and the federal bailout grants received was $1.8 billion. And, Just you know, think about how sick, how sick it is that they would get the, remember when COVID first started, they had these grant programs for businesses. How can a hospital making this kind of money get get a grant that they don't have to pay back on top of everything else? I mean, it's, it's sickening. And then the fee for each free required PCR test in the emergency room or upon admission for every patient, they get 100000 per COVID patient, by the way, added bonus payment for each positive COVID-19 diagnosis, another bonus for a COVID-19 admission to the hospital, 20% boost uh, bonus payment for Medicare and the entire hospital bill for use of remdesivir, ICU bonus for patients on Presidex. Which was she was given. <laughs> yes. We'll talk about Presidex as well here in a minute. Uh, large bonus payments to the hospital if a COVID-19 patient is medic, uh, mechanically ventilated. Uh, more money if the cause of death is listed as COVID-19, even if the patient did not die directly of COVID-19. If COVID-19 is cured, the free money stops flowing. And then if you go, um, um, ascent fact related to Grace's death, and this is a St. Elizabeth campus in Appleton, Wisconsin, percent ICU bed capacity when she died, 100%. Percent bed capacity when she died, 998 Daily amount received from Medicaid is $1,680. Can you go up, please, Mr. Producer, uh, if you would, on this? Just go up on it. Thank you. Um, COVID death bonus received $13,000. Uh, medicine administration grade F. Uh, the hospital average is 86%. And the average cost oxygen saturation uh, lead for Grace was at 78 which that $78 is a great uh, segue into the next example I want to share. But uh, when you look at the numbers relative to Grace, you know, we never approved a ventilator. So 
Grace was really a low producer as far as revenue. And when we denied the ventilator the last day, given the, the capacity of the hospital, the emergency room was also at full capacity. I'm convinced that, and when you hear the sequence of events, I think you'll be convinced too that they chose to take her out um, because of the finances. But there's a lot bigger picture. So that love of money, um, God got me up at three o'clock in the morning one Sunday in early January and I put that together. All, all that information was available online. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I could find all of that stuff at my fingertips. In four hours, I was able to put that together. And you know, so it's it's really sickening that $78 lead change out. This next story that I want to share gives you a, uh, a, a methodology as to how the hospital justifies putting your loved ones on a ventilator. So when you find out that your loved one died and you find out they're on a ventilator, the hospital has a way to justify that in this next example will will prove that so the morning of the 9th of october grace was pretty hungry so i ordered food grace could feed herself of course but not with that bipap mask on i started feeding her a nurse came running in and said you can't do that i said what's the reason she said her oxygen saturation is only at 85 percent and so i thought about that for about 15 20 minutes that's fine actually. That, that cannot be that her oxygen was that low. And she, when she was in the emergency room, she is at 95% plus on a regular cannula and now she's on a BiPAP. So I had all of my COVID materials in the room, which included my own oxygen saturation meter. I put it on Grace's finger and it read 95%. So I called the nurse back in and asked her if my meter was accurate. And she said, yes, it is. I said, well, why is my read meter reading 95% and yours only 85%? And she said, well, because the leads get sweaty. These are the $78 leads that were on that slide. <clears throat> and so I said, well, if that's a known fact, why don't you proactively change the leads out every three, four hours or whatever it takes so you have an accurate oxygen reading, given this is the primary statistic you're using to manage my daughter's care. And she snottily responded, you should just be thankful you caught this. So that clued me in there's something going on. And so <clears throat> I was wise to the oxygen and my daughter, Jessica, also, when you get to Grace's last day, an hour and 15 minutes before Grace died, Grace's oxygen saturation was at 93%, but the, ox the oxygen reported by the hospital, they had two oxygen meters on Grace, one read 69% and one read 44%. Jessica has timestamp photos showing those those three things lined up to show you how screwed up the hospital's um, monitoring oxygen is and you know i'm convinced they do that on purpose to justify their actions because their records become prima facie evidence in the event that there's a lawsuit unless you have something else to prove that it's not accurate so i mean it that's crazy stuff but it's it's true and it happened it happened to grace Thankfully, we knew what the real numbers were because we were monitoring it. Real quick before we go on, we have one more sponsor, which is CrowdHealth. Uh, health insurance is no longer something that really takes place between you and your doctor anymore. And lobbyists are fighting to make sure that they won't have competition and you won't have options. So CrowdHealth is not health insurance, and that's why it works. There's no deductibles, networks, complicated exclusions, or co-pays. You see any doctor you want. 
pay for the first $500 and submit any bills from there. The CrowdHealth community takes care of the rest. So CrowdHealth is a new way to pay for healthcare. Uh, again, there's no doctor's networks, no premiums, high deductibles, and there's no surprises. You pay one low monthly total to fund your account, which for most people is less than $200 a month. Uh, 100% of your monthly contribution directly funds and reduces the healthcare costs of the community. Unlike health insurance, you're not limited by doctor networks. So stop paying health insurance companies your hard-earned dollars. Go to joincrowdhealth.com right now and experience freedom from health insurance. Right now, you can get your first six months for just $99 a month, 50% off. Go to joincrowdhealth.com and use promo code FREEDOM at sign up. That's joincrowdhealth.com. Promo code is FREEDOM. Disclaimer, CrowdHealth is not an insurance company. It's not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. So terms and conditions may apply. So, so we're going to walk through her last day. I'm going to put up a yeah. timeline. We're going to walk through this. And, um, you know, I had some uh, hard questions I probably won't ask. Uh, and there were, there were just questions that, I mean, I know that you got kicked out. I don't understand that. But actually, before I put this up, how in the world did they get you removed? Because obviously you're more educated. So they, they literally moved to, to remove you. They, they removed you. Yeah, so what happened was at 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, October 10th, the head nurse came in with an armed guard and said, you need to leave immediately. And, um, you know, it, it, there's so much to go through with her last day that we don't have to drill that down. But ultimately, you know, I, I went back and forth with her for about an hour, and then she threatened to call the Appleton Police Department. So I called an attorney friend of mine, and he suggested leaving peacefully to not put up a not put up a fight. And so I did. And, you know, ultimately, that was that was a major mistake. You know, that was the last time I saw Grace physically alive. And you know, I remember her face laying there. You know, I gave her a hug and it's the last time I saw her physically alive. You know, and I wish I would have taken her home then um, because she would have been fine. Uh, and the hospital would have had to send us home with a prescription for oxygen, which would have been key. And so I got the first couple months after she died, of course, I replayed that so many times and you know, I've had to let it go now. And, 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 you know, God had to get me through that, of course. I want to uh, put this up if I can. Uh, this is Grace's last day. Just walk us through. This is a timeline. Yeah. We put it up. So now just to set up her last day that I mentioned earlier, we had 44 hours without an advocate. During that 44 hours, they used that as an opportunity to increase a sedation drug called Presidex. They started Grace, unbeknownst to us, on a drug called Presidex on October 9th. That put Grace as an ICU status. Grace's care never changed, her room never changed, but as soon as she went on that sedation drug, she was classified as ICU. <clears throat> that sedation drug, if you look at the package insert, which is the rules they're supposed to follow, says that Presidex is not supposed to be used more than 24 hours. They had grace on it for four full days before her last day. The 44 hours that we didn't have advocacy, they increased the dosage seven times during that 44 hours. I see it as pure laziness mainly because they could. They could take advantage of Grace because she had Down syndrome. They didn't want to care for her. They didn't want to take her to the bathroom. They didn't want to feed her. They just wanted to sedate her so they didn't have to do the work. 
we get into the last day, Grace, the night before, Grace sat up in bed. Jessica called her two boys, Grace's nephews. She sat up in bed and waved to them, said, hi, boys. She was just normal, even though she was sedated. Jessica monitored her oxygen the entire night. It was 98, 99% the entire night. The doctor called us then at 8 o'clock in the morning on Grace's last day. And he wanted a decision for that fourth request for a pre-authorization for a ventilator. We said no. And that's what I think set off this sequence of events that I'm going to rattle through right now. Uh, he then said that I think we should put Grace on a feeding tube because she's malnutrition. Cindy and I, un, you know, we approved that foolishly in hindsight, and you'll see why as we go through this. Grace was malnutrition because the hospital wasn't doing their job. They wouldn't let Jess and I feed her, and they only fed her a few protein shakes. She should have been fed the entire time. Now Jessica says to a, and this is significant, there's a 14-year ICU nurse who was in charge of Grace's care her last day. So when you hear the sequence of meds, you'll think it's impossible somebody could make that mistake, especially if they're a 14-year ICU nurse. So Jess says to the 14-year ICU nurse that she's going to take a shower. When I was in the room, they insisted I not leave. That morning, they insisted Jess leave. They made her go home to take a shower. So she did. She came back inside of an hour. She hears two doctors and a nurse in the hallway say the, the family's not going to like this. So she says, what aren't they going to like? And they said, we had to restrain Grace while you were gone, which means they strapped her down to the bed. So she said, what is the reason? And they said, because she wanted to get out of the bed to go to the bathroom. They made her poop in the bed. So just process that. One of the attorneys that we're working with asked me a very important question. He said, Scott, do you think that you would have been strapped down if you were in that hospital? I said, absolutely not. I would have made them walk me to the, walk me to the bathroom. But Grace was obedient unto death. I think she died a martyr's death. And so that Sunday after he said that, God, he always gets me up at 3 o'clock in the morning when he wants me to do research. So that Sunday, I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I went through all 22 doctor's reports one more time looking for Down syndrome. They made reference that Grace had Down syndrome 36 different times in those reports. So just hold on to that thought, and you, you make a decision after you hear this. So now they use that as an excuse to ratchet up the precedents further. Now there's two nurses in the room, the 14-year ICU nurse and another nurse, and the other nurse, the attending nurse, challenges and says, I think we should let Grace's numbers stabilize before we do the feeding tube. She said, no, we're going to do it now. So while Grace was not stable, they put the feeding tube in. Now they took that is another excuse to ratchet up Presidex. At 10.48 that morning, Grace was on max dose Presidex. Just to give you a perspective of what that means, Presidex is used as an anesthesia drug to knock people out for surgery. Grace was knocked out at that time. She was out the entire rest of the day. In spite of Grace being knocked out, they gave her lorazepam, an anti-anxiety med at 11.25. What's she anxious about? There's no anxiety present. She's knocked out. At 5.46, they gave her another dose of lorazepam. 5.49, three minutes later, another dose. And at 6.15, they gave her a two milligram dose of morphine as an IV push. <clears throat> we have hundreds of medical professionals that have said that cocktail killed her. We have an intensivist who is a specialist in med combinations that wrote me and said, the meds killed your daughter. The doctor who helped us go through all the records 
she even said it, it had to be intentional. There's not a question about intent. It's so crazy, that combination of meds. It would have taken it, you and I out, Joe. <clears throat> a two milligram push of morphine, by the way, is twice the limit that they give you um, max on a pump that is scheduled for 16 minutes apart. Just so you know, the pump is what you have in your hand. I went through a massive surgery, so I know that this is the case. And, um, but that's two times the max limit. And typically it's about four times the limit that they set it at. I shouldn't know that, but I do. So I'm, I'm, I'm that, that on top of the, I'm shocked J just in my well, limited knowledge. I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm, I, and I said before you got on the show, I said, is, is that morphine? Is that the two milligrams? Is that morphine? Yeah. And I know. The morphine package insert, which I have on Grace's website, is the most damning document outside of the DNR, which we'll cover next, to the hospital. The, it, the morphine package insert says to not combine those meds because it causes death. And we've learned subsequently that they would have had to override. There's an alarm that goes off when they try to prescribe meds like that. They would have had to override the alarm to, to do that. The morphine package insert also says that they're supposed to have the reversal drug bedside and monitor the patient. After they gave Grace the morphine, no one stepped in that room as a medical provider until after Grace died. <clears throat> Jessica felt Grace being cold, so she got a hold of that 14-year ICU nurse and said, can you take a temperature on my sister? Because she, I think she's cold. She told her that's normal, just cover her with a blanket. Well, it's normal if you want to kill somebody. Jessica called Cindy and I via FaceTime at 7.20 panicking. She said, Dad, Grace's numbers are dropping like crazy. And I said, get the nurses in. She said, I, I, I've been trying. They won't come in. She estimated 30 nurses in the hallway at that time. So Cindy and I start screaming, save our daughter. They holler back, she's DNR. Do not resuscitate. We said, she's not DNR. Save our daughter. That DNR situation the hospital and the doctor violated at least seven Wisconsin state statutes by putting an illegal DNR on Grace. I mean, it's it's sickening. It's murder. We didn't, you know, we didn't know that. You know, that's the first we knew there's a DNR. Jessica ran out in the hall. One of the nurses had right up on her computer screen because Jess asked, and she she read it off that the doctor labeled Grace DNR, and and they can't do anything about it. We subsequently found out after we got a second records request through Tom Renz, a medical malpractice nurse reviewed the records and said, Scott, you're missing at least a thousand pages. So then we did another request. There was 948 pages more that we received. And we found out that the doctor put that order on Grace at 1056 AM, eight minutes after the max dose Presidex. One of the attorneys reviewing it is he, when when I told him that he instantly said, "Well, they thought the Presidex was going to take her out, so they were trying to have that order in place to make sure." Who's they the could. doctor? Uh, doctor Gavin Shokar was the doctor. Let's do let's so do a little workup on Devin. We'll get that information, but I want to do a complete workup on him. I want, Mister Producer, I want to pull every record of every patient that he's had in the hospital. And if we have to do requests for that and find out the families, we it's will Gavin? do Gavin? Doctor, yes, what is G -A -G -A -V -I -N. And Shokar is S-H-O-K-A-R. Okay. 
And so then, you know, so we, you know, they wouldn't come in. Nobody would come in to give Grace the reversal drug. They wouldn't do anything. So we watched her die on FaceTime at 727. And, you know, if it couldn't get worse, you know, there's a piece of this that's even worse. So after we talked with Jessica later that night, she said there was an armed guard posted outside the room. And I say posted with confidence. And I say that because after Grace died, Jessica crawled in bed with her to hold her until Cindy got there. I took Cindy to the hospital after Grace died. And that armed guard stood outside and watched Jessica through the nurse's window the entire time. How we got clued into that this is, there's something wrong here is after uh, Cindy and Jess cleaned Grace up, our pastor met us there and the funeral director and the pastor was walking Cindy out in a wheelchair and a nurse had Grace's belongings on a cart and leaned down and said to Cindy, me and several of the other nurses don't think Grace should have died today. And that led to, you know, you know the, the inconceivable uh, results that have been obtained through all the research. So they, you know, I, I disappeared for five days so that I could get my level of excitement that I had lived my life by for the last 18 months down, um, you know, to, to get peace, to find peace. Scott, how, how have you been able to find peace? Boy, that is a fantastic question. Very few people have asked that. And um, I would say... Um, it, it's day by day, but you know, I, ah, I thankfully God grounded me before Grace died, so I understand God is sovereign. That helped me put this into perspective. Uh, so God didn't take Grace, but God knew the day, uh, the situation, the circumstances that Grace would die under uh, before she was ever born, and so in the in the light of Genesis uh, 50, 20, I'll just read that so everybody knows what it is. Uh, As for you, ye meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. So that's one way that I've been able to deal with this is to realize God's sovereign. He had a reason for this. You know, we're, we're meeting right now as part of that reason. Uh, we instantly, after I got out of the hospital, the funeral was done, and we got the records, and we started reviewing everything. We first wanted the hospital. We gave everything to the hospital, requesting a meeting, thinking that you know they, you know, we were very naive. We just thought, well, they should know this and then repent, and then they'll fix it. Well, they rejected the meeting. Well, after they rejected the meeting is when we went public with the story. And so now I see one of God's purposes. I don't, I don't know all the purposes, of course, nobody does, but certainly one of the purposes that we decided to jump into is saving people's lives. Telling the story will save people's lives. Um, the other piece as far as how to deal with this is, you know, it's like you you asked for the doctor's name, and which is a fine thing to ask for, I, I, but I am not out parading his name around, you know, God had to deal with forgiveness in my heart um, before I could share these, this story on podcast. And, you know, it's, 
when you look at it as you know, in the parable of the unmerciful servant, or better yet, you look at Luke 23, 34, which specifically says, this is the one everybody knows. Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. Um, you know, that's when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's forgiving the people that hung them, hung him there. You know, just process that. You know, so nobody can do that. You know, I can't forgive um, the doctor or the nurse on my own. You know, nobody has that inside of them. That's if that, that's the purpose of the gospel. You know, if we could do that type of thing on our own, there's no need for uh, a savior or a gospel. So, I mean, thankfully, God has worked those things through me. But I mean, it's still a it's a daily struggle. You uh, have a website that you built. Um, it's called OurAmazingGrace.net. Yes. And um, by the way, this is where we took some of the pictures off of here as well. Um, and you were able to also put up some billboards um, around <laughs> Wisconsin uh, that, uh, that were basically just questions. And, and the amount of humility and grace that you showed um, in these uh, billboards is, and again, it's, it's an amazing example for me, but uh, one says, was Grace labeled do not resuscitate without family consent at St. E's, a new COVID protocol and a question mark. Um, We, we only have about four minutes left, but I, and so I'll give you the last word, but, uh, what's next? What, what's, what's next, Scott? Well, that's a, it's a great question. It's, it's a fairly easy question to answer because it's, but it will sound foolish, but I need to explain. And the answer is I, I have no idea. I, I had no idea I would ever be doing podcasts. I mean, that isn't what I do. I mean, I, I'm not a public speaker or something like that. And, you know, there's been lots of opportunities to speak. And and now we're just taking every single one that we can with the idea of, of if we can save a life, Grace's death is not in vain. Um, we've had some significant doors open last week legally that I can't talk about right now because they're that significant. Um, where those lead to, I don't know. Tom Renz got involved, uh, which is fantastic. I mean, I've met people that, you know, I, I can't hardly believe it. I'm just a dad. You know, you, you know, how does, how do these people come into your life and open up these doors? Well, I mean, I see God behind it. So, you know, God, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know, so everybody seems to know that verse who is a Christian, but you know, God's also God of justice, but it's not our job to determine that justice. You know, if we just like go like a heat seeking missile with against the lawsuit, you know, everybody hears the case says, you know, sue them, sue the pants off of them. And, you know, but you, you can't be doing that. You've got to, you've got to wait and see what, what doors are going to open up. What does God want us to do? So I don't know. It seems like that is, what is going to be next you know the the bigger issue how we you know we never knew this was going to happen we cindy and i talked after grace died that we should start a foundation and 
because we were able to do all kinds of things. God blessed us financially to do things that people don't get to do. And so we wanted to start a foundation to, to help kids that that are involved with families that don't didn't have the blessing so that was the original idea so we did form a foundation and we have the the irs approval now but when does that really take off you know i i don't see that that's going to be all that far into the future when when that starts going maybe another month down the road because we've got everything in place to do it now well we're gonna i'm gonna keep you over for a minute but i'm gonna say goodbye to our our audience on frank's beach tv um so uh Guys, thank you very much. And we're going to stay on for the, the, uh, all the other places that we are live. Uh, God bless you all. And um, Scott, we'll put you right back on here in a minute. We're just going to say goodbye to Frank's Beach. All right, let's bring Scott back on. Okay, Scott, we, we just had to jump off of uh, Frank's Beach platform. Um, he, it has a two-minute roll. Yeah. But uh, no I, I want to, I if I can say something to you and that is uh and this is gonna as as big of a story as it is the uh and you never want it to happen to anyone else i, I will i will tell you that um the story the the lesson that you just gave me the forgiveness one is a is a really big story you know and and i say that because um and i'll share something with you and some people know that actually a lot of people that are on the podcast know this my brother was murdered by a police officer in 2017. um and uh they lied and did everything else that they could and finding forgiveness for me and that has been has been a five-year journey of, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I'm not where you are. And I, I live my life in my faith, but to hear you talk about your faith. Um, and, and I think that, again, I don't, I'm not sure that if I would have operated up here at this level, being that the last 18 months has been kind of hellish for, you know, getting an election integrity, stepping down as a CEO, doing those things. Um, I'm not sure that, I would have been prepared to hear what you said until you said it. So here you are, the father. I'm a father with, with two kids, and I love my children more than life, um, as you do. Yeah. I actually think that that part of Grace's life and, and how you handled it is as important a story for people like me. As that story. I, um, <laughs> I can't take any credit for that. I mean, some people, it's going to take them, you know, five years, a lifetime to forgive. I mean, there's things in my life I, I haven't forgiven, but for some reason, God did that in me. And I, I would say it, it makes sense because if he wants me to share this story, which I believe that is, is what my purpose is right now, he had to do that. It was a piece of the puzzle that had to be. Otherwise, you're just going to have an angry, revengeful dad in front of a camera. I mean, that isn't going to work. And so I don't know, what, you know, I've had all kinds of Christian dads say I, I would have went in and shot him. And, you know, and they're, they're no uh, 
more or less Christian than I am. But I mean, that that is what, you know, your humanness wants to do that. I, I get it. Um, so I, I certainly, if somebody, like you said with your brother, you, if you're not there yet, I mean, it's, that is the reality of the Christian walk. We cannot get there on our own. And, you know, that particular one, I didn't have to make a conscious choice to give up. You know, we have to give up the right to ourselves. You know, you have a right, you know, if you just process that from a human perspective, we have a right to justice against the, the man who killed your brother. Um, you know, you have a right for an eye to an eye and, you know, all the things that people would say. But in order to walk by faith, we have to give up all of our rights. You know, and so in that particular area, God did it all, which it always when something happens, you have to say God did it all. There's nothing we did. And that, you know, applies to our salvation. It applies to anything that that applies to the walk. But I mean, I there's lots of lots of parts of my walk that I get an F in. You know, that particular one I get an A in. But I didn't get an A because of anything I did. I mean, for, like I said, I think that he did that because he wants this this story out. Well, I got to tell you, um, I grieve for you, but I also am incredibly impressed by your leadership and, and the, the, uh, the example you set for others. So thank you. Well, again, it's not, don't, don't be, don't be patting me on the back. I mean, it is, if I'm doing anything right, it's because God's doing it. I mean, it is, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that people want to hear this story. You know, I, you know, when I realized that the national news was not going to pick up on this, at first when we got all kinds of traction, I thought, oh my gosh, the national news is going to pick up on this. We're, you know, way back. I thought, well, we're a week away from being on Tucker Carlson. And then all of a sudden it dawns on you, what's really going on? And then, okay, they're not going to, no one's going to pick up on this. It's going to be podcast by podcast. And we, if we're going to reach 330 million people in this country, you know, it's going to be thousands of podcasts. You know, I think after, after this week, I think I'll, you know, be close to a hundred, you know, but I, you know, that means, you know, there's probably another 900 that we have to do in order to get this message out. And that's, I think that's a piece of this puzzle. We got to tell people, you know, it isn't just the physical side of it. I mean, the physical side, obviously this story matters to save people's lives, but if you only save somebody's life physically, but not spiritually, it was a complete waste of time. And that's why I I always want to bring up the gospel in this story. A, a, A good friend of mine, when this first started, he said to me, you know, if you're given a platform, like this guy, you have an obligation and he was spot on. And, you know, so the spiritual side of this story, I mean, we're in a spiritual war, you know, it's, it's very easy to say, um, you know, blame Gavin Shokar, um, blame Holly McGinnis, the nurse, blame the hospital, um, blame Ascension hospital system, um, blame the, the government, um, blame the whole system for, um, being, for setting up this pandemic for a hundred years in the whole setup, um, blame China. But the reality is, you know, Billy Graham quipped 30 plus years ago, if God doesn't judge America, he's gonna have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. So what does that mean? 
it means that you know we've all you know i'm not don't mean everybody but i mean for the most part we've been lazy you know, i was a lazy christian i just was happy with my life um, well i'm not lazy anymore you know this is you know we've got to repent as a nation we've got to repent and you know it may be too late and so this to me this message of the gospel is urgent i don't you know personally i don't see you know the midterms or anything else that the patriots are are preaching right now i don't see that as as a, a wise thing to be getting behind i think you got to get right with god and and you've got to repent this is a big deal well i think repentance is a big part of of uh, the journey right and understanding god's grace yes scott thank you very much for coming on the show um i know that our listeners will be praying for you and we'll be praying for you. We're praying for your family. Thank you. What was that, Apollo? Let's, uh, let's play, pray with him before we, before we let him go. All right. So I'm, I'm going to pray. But, Scott, I'm not going to promise you that it's not going to get emotional for me. I, I don't know why, but I have this thing that comes over me when we start talking about kids, especially the tragedy that, that unfolded in your life. But Father God, we are so thankful for life. We're thankful for the opportunity you have to put our children in our lives and put special people in our lives. Father, we're, we're eternally grateful for the sacrifice that Jesus made for all of us that we could have eternal life. Father, we are, we are grateful for all the blessings that you bestowed upon us, for the time that you give us, for the joy that we're able to experience in our lives. Father, please forgive us for the times where we just don't seem to live up or follow your teachings. Father, bless us with the courage to carry on to do your work. Father, please watch over Scott and his family. Give them peace. Help them that they may know in their hearts, every one of them, that they will see grace again. Father, Please be with the doctors and the nurses and the people in the hospitals and give, give them the strength to stand up to decisions that could be made that could adversely affect another life. Father, please bless us that we may continue to honor you and that we may find forgiveness in our hearts and that we may practice those things that are the hardest principles that we are, that we are told we, we must follow. Father, as we go about our days, please bless us with the strength to be an example of, of your love. Father, thank you again just for the opportunity we have to be together, and thank you for the time that we have with our loved ones. 
And I say these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. My wife, uh, it's, it's funny, my, my wife says um, we had this sign made up with Grace's picture because we did a rally in Appleton across from the hospital on April 8th, and there's a sign with Grace's picture, and it says uh, they messed with the wrong girl. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really acute. You know, Grace was, Grace was tough. And, uh, you know, they took one of God's, and, you know, that's, that's, why, this, that's why this is getting so much traction, I think. Well, I just want to say thank you. And, uh, you know, we're with you. And the, there's lots of comments of people saying that they're praying for you and your family. I, I appreciate that more than anybody understands. You know, we have had a hedge of protection around us. Hardly anything has happened negative. We had our original GoFundMe taken down. Uh, we lost one client in the business that I have because of the billboards. They thought that was over the top and uh, um, no death threats. We had one of the radio programs call and ask if we received death threats because they were receiving death threats on the station after I was on. And, uh, and we've got no death threats, nothing. I mean, it's really been, it's, it's been wonderful. And God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. And so we, we keep pressing on. Well, Scott, I want to say, too, for everyone who's listening, uh, not only I'll, just by the, the story that, that you have, but the grace that you have and the love that you, that you still clearly have, it really has touched me. Uh, I, I'm typically not super emotional, but uh, this really did touch me, and I know Grace's memory is, is going to you know, go on a long way, and I know this, this story is going to wake up a lot of people and it's going to touch a lot of hearts. So I encourage everyone uh, to go to ouramazinggrace.net because not only do you have a lot of beautiful uh, you know, time with grace that you've put up here, but you've done an excellent job of putting together exactly what happened, and there's a lot of supporting documents there. So I would urge everyone, uh, please go there uh, because it's important that you understand exactly what's going on. There are millions of people who are facing this all over the country, and we're, I think we should all be very grateful for you, Scott, in the work that you've done to put all this together. So I, I, I truly, I thank you, and we, we pray for you, and we, we will be. God bless you, Scott. Well, same to you. Thanks for having me, you guys. You did a great job. Thank you. We'll reach back out again, Scott. Thank you very much for being on the show. All right. I'd appreciate that. Thank you. So I, I want everybody to know that you know, I'm not sure I could handle things the way Scott handled them. And I'm sitting here as I'm listening to him read scripture and, and talk about, you know, Jesus' sacrifice when he was on the cross and says, hey, look, they know not what they're doing. And forgive them. I, I don't, you know, and this is, this is me being just authentic. I'm not sure I, I have that, you know, it's, it's something I really need to reexamine. It's not sure there's something that I have in me to, to just walk away and, and let, let something happen. But so there's a there's a lesson to be learned, in all of this. And I just I think Scott, uh, some of you just desperately needed to hear this. Uh, I certainly did. It was one of those aha moments in my life. Yeah, I think Scott exemplifies the spirit of love that I think a lot of us have lost over the last few years, and I, I have. 
it's actually humbling to hear how he speaks about this. Yeah. Yeah, so if you go to uh, our, um, excuse me, uh, ouramazinggrace.net, there is a donation page on there on the foundation. You go to the foundation, you can actually contribute. And you can follow it as well. Well, that's it for this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. Um, if you like us, please follow us on Rumble and on other places too, like Frank's Beach. Go watch some of the other shows that are coming on after you have uh, Stu Peters that comes on right after us. And you also have um, uh, The War Room with Steve Bannon that, that comes just before us. So we're sandwiched in between some stuff. Um, if you want to find us live, you can find us at um, conservative-daily.com, uh, Rumble, DLive, Clout Hub, and Frank's Beach. If you want to listen to us on the audio version, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audible. Please share it with someone that needs to hear it and um, give us a five-star review. You can also smash the Rumble button on your way out. Some of you guys keep leaving without hitting that Rumble button. I want you to hit that Rumble button. Uh, but share with someone who needs to hear this story, especially if you have somebody that, that um, is dealing with tragedy in their life or a tragedy they can't maybe let go. Also, if you need a reminder when we go live, text the word FREEDOM to 89517. And um, we go live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time and 4 p.m. Mountain Time. That's noon uh, Eastern Time and uh, 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time as well. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on True Social at Joe Oatman and at Conservative Daily. I was asked today whether or not I would be getting on to um, Twitter if Elon bought it. And the answer to that question is no. I love Elon Musk. I really do. I think the guy is amazing. But um, uh, President Trump did not abandon us through any of this. Even as unpopular as it could have been, he could have just walked away and just gone off and forgot all about it. But he didn't. He kept fighting. And so I do want to say that I'm not going to ban Truth Social for Twitter. I mean, Twitter to me is, it's, it's kind of dead to me, <laughs> as, as I can say it. Um, but uh, if you want to follow us on Telegram as well, you can go to Telegram at t.me slash conservativedaily and t.me slash Joe Oltman. Um, I made a post today that you guys should know about that says my support for Sidney Powell. Um, some say, well, you know, Lynn Wood doesn't like her or, or does like her. And I always say, be your own man. I love Lynn Wood. Um, I did step down and resign from the board. Um, it was, uh, it's because I don't have time. I run FEC United. I have Conservative Daily. I'm constantly out and traveling and, and uh, I'm not going to uh, say anything bad about the good work that's being done by Fight Back. I just didn't have the time to be committed to it. And that's something that I always want to make sure that I center on is making sure that if I say I'm going to do something that I have the time to make sure that I'm a productive part of that um, group, which I didn't, I didn't have the time for it. But I did put up a post about Sidney Powell and how I do support her. I just want you to know something. Um, people make mistakes. And, and Sidney Powell's not absolved from making mistakes in, in how the election stuff was handled. But um, I will tell you, she's amazing. She's an amazing woman who has taken the hits, even through what I consider to be betrayal, even through what I consider to be um, big attacks on her from every angle. She has stayed true. She works every single day to get to the bottom of the truth, even to today. She is constantly out there looking for more information. So somebody asked me what I thought about Sidney Powell, and I will tell you 100%, I unequivocally support Sidney Powell. And I will continue to support Sidney Powell. And, um, and you should too. 
and forward. She's got a bunch of cool stuff that's going to be coming out that I think you should be aware of. So uh, that's it for am I scared to say one negative thing about Lynn Wood? He'd, he'd roast me publicly. So that's uh, this guy on here. No, so uh, we have a couple trolls. N no, I'm not afraid of anybody or anything, but you are. That's why you sit behind a, ca uh, a uh, deal. So I'm, I'm not going to give you any more time. That's it for this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Oltman. We had Apollo on tonight. And um, hey, I'll see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. God bless you all.